in February, if I'm not wrong, I took a time to look at the products of grace. And my emphasis in the teaching is to maintain the fact that the grace of God is not vague. That we can say categorically what it represents, what it brought for us. And if at all we would assert that you have received the grace of God, then it must be that we see that which the grace had brought. Hallelujah. Basically, I consider Ephesians chapter 1, then I read from verse 5 down to verse 9. And from that scriptures, I was able to alight eight things the grace of God should give to you. And a complimentary scriptures to that is Titus chapter 2 verse 11. It says the grace of God that brings salvation. Now, my emphasis was on the grace brings salvation. So, the effects of the grace is salvation. Okay. And you know, in Ephesians chapter 1, like I quoted, the scripture says that by the grace we have received um, from next six, that is, um, um, I'm trying to pick the actual English word, but the, the word for nexus was used. Okay, uh, I think the word um, prudence, yes, that is the word prudence for nexus. And said by it also we receive Sophia, and Sophia his wisdom. Glory be to God. He says that he had abounded toward us also. He said by that grace also we receive adoption. Glory be to God. So I became God's property by grace. Now look at what Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And two, have you been justified by faith? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith. Now, I like the word access by faith into the grace. Now, glory be to God. So, what brought a believer into the grace is the faith. And what's the faith? Romans chapter 4 21 says that the faith is my conviction in what Christ has done for me. In that is so far. You know, this morning I was just thinking what it meant. You know, actually, what actually brought that? Um, thought was uh, the fact that I was reading that Romans chapter 5 now I was reading from verse um, I think verse 10 to 15 and the apostle Paul began to tell us how deep how wide the love of God is and what, what did he say in particular he said look if while I was a sinner Christ could die for me how much more that now I am reconciled because of his death that now I will be saved by his love then I began to see the depth of God's love you know, in Ephesians chapter 3, Apostle Paul talk, spoke about the depth of God's love. But I began to see it in Romans chapter 5. I began to see the depth, the intricacies, hallelujah, of the love of God. In that while I was a sinner, that is thrilling. Christ died for me. That is thrilling while i was a criminal so now that i had come to god oh glory be to god he's much more interested in me then i began to challenge notions and teachings that claims that if you fail to do certain things i stops god from doing certain things you know some people believe that okay uh when you're hot to do something maybe you need to pay certain offering or you to do certain thing or you had a certain impression and you neglected it or the holy ghost prompted you to do something and you neglected it and because you neglected it when you pray god will answer your prayer i wish we can substantiate our claims in the scriptures so back to the subject, I have looked at the products of grace. That the grace of God is not a means to amass wealth. The grace of God is not that amongst your colleagues you are dinking. You know, some people will say, hey, I enjoy grace in my workplace. My boss sacked everybody except me. Praise the Lord. And everybody say, hallelujah. 
Meanwhile, somebody else will come to the house and say, Bless the name of the Lord. This week, I saw a light in the word of God, and the reaction of the congregation will be to his so light. Is that the testimony? See the testimony of Sister Karu? She would have died in that accident. That is the grace. Hallelujah. But here, Apostle said, Look, the grace has a, a, a specific assignment to do, it must save. And you know, the word save in the Greek lexicon is the word soteria. To be freed from the harassment or from the authority of darkness. That is, that is, that, that is thrilling. So if it had not saved my spirit, then it, it is of no use whatever good it brought me. Because, you know, the end result of the grace is this resurrection of the dead hallelujah you know somebody you know we got talking and i'm trying to do um exercises you know i like exercises you don't just come quote scriptures at me and you want me to believe that that's what the word the word of god is saying we just go to see into the scriptures to see you know i was in exercises and somebody was quoting the scriptures to me so i was trying to explain uh the scriptures to him and he was like wow how do you get to analyze the scriptures you have become theological i said look the bible is theology theology means theology Theo means gology means studies the study of god the bible is about God. I've studied it. But then there was something I, I struck that uh, in, that made him ask me whether I believe in rapture. But I smiled and I kept him. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Does that mean there is no rapture? There's rapture. But now, what I'm saying is that the, the, the goal of the grace is to make me the heir of God. And why the heir of God? So that eventually, as the heir of God, I can reign with the Father. That is thrilling. Oh, glory to God forevermore. Glory be to God forevermore. You know, let me take you through Titus. You know, we'll do a paraphrase of the scripture like I've been doing. And please permit me to do that. In Titus, Chapter 1, Apostle Paul was writing to Titus. And let me say this, you know, uh, we, we, we have the opinion that um, Timothy walked closely with Apostle Paul. But when you, when, when, when you see to the scripture, see that it seems that Titus walked more closely with Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Romans, you see, Paul kept on mentioning Titus. In fact, in 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 in, in First Corinthians, see Paul saying, saying to the Galatians, "Say, look, I have I have a brag over." He said, "I have preached the gospel to you and Titus." In fact, he said, "Look, I have sent Titus to you." In other words, Titus walked so closely more than Timothy, and Titus was a son. But then, when Apostle Paul was writing to Titus, he made Titus to realize that we have been called into common faith. He called Titus his son in the Lord. Then he began to say that now we have received the promise of life that is now and that is to come. And he said the end of it is to the hope of salvation. Now, let me read the exact text of the scriptures that I won't um, misquote. I like that scriptures. And that is not just seen in Titus, that is in all of the scriptures. In all of the scriptures and i've told you anytime i'm teaching the scriptures like this i am not just teaching a reference when i speak it will not sound correct okay hmm. but when i'm teaching the scripture i am teaching the whole of the bible because i've read the whole of the bible okay and i don't feel you know we got talking um it was not a 
talk a discussion somebody asked the question and i chose not to <laughs> not to meddle okay because if i meddle sometimes i will spoil the discussions but my perspective of scriptures sometimes is 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 is, is um somewhat somewhat contrary you know, I, I told somebody, said, look, this way I analyzed the scripture. That was how the apostles analyzed. How did I know? Go and read the book of Acts. You see them, those constant scriptures, they can stay there for two. In fact, the Bible said that Apostle Paul would go to the synagogue of the Jews and they would discuss scriptures with them for certain periods of days and months. Hallelujah. You know, when you study the scriptures very well, you see that in, 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 in the, in the, in the um, accounts we have in the book of Acts, oftentimes the word preach is not used for Apostle Paul. Rather, when the writer, um, which, which was Theophilus, narrates about Paul, he will tell us that Paul will reason the scriptures. And it's no reason without logic. So there's a logic behind the scriptures. Glory be to God forevermore. So you see Apostle Paul reasoning the scriptures, and that's what I do when I teach. Now we want to see the end result of grace. Glory be to God forevermore. Glory be to God forevermore. Oh, the basi, the hardenesu, brekihando zu the Oh, glory be to God. We are reasoning in the scriptures here, and there is no error in this place. Hallelujah. Bless God forevermore. Okay, now let me show you a scripture in um in Titus chapter one. I'm going to read from verse one and two. And um, maybe yeah, we touched verse 3, but my emphasis on verse 2. Now Paul is servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. I like the word according to the faith of God's elect. And the acknowledgement of the truth which accords to godliness. Okay, now Apostle Paul said, look, one facts about the truth. You know, I've heard the minister of God mention, hey, we are showing you mysteries. Paul said, look, if there is any mystery anybody claims is dishing out, the mystery should bring everyone listening to it to one end to godliness. Now, what is godliness? Uh, Apostle Paul wrote so tight to say, Look, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, this godliness is a mystery, but he said, Look, this godliness has been arrived. He said, It is God manifested in man. So, in other words, when the truth of the scriptures is being taught, it should make us a better person. It should make us so transparent that God can be filtered out of us. See, the acknowledgement of the truth which is after godliness that is the inner exalt of the truth you know last two weeks or so i was working on the truth of god and i was looking at romans chapter one visiting the apostle spoke about the fact that the unbelievers suppress the truth of god for a lie but then when the truth of god is made to prevail in a, in a state or um in a region or in a city, what you see that the people there will become godlike. I mean, they become more like God. You, you know, we, we wonder why our nation is like this. Nothing is working. The economy is not working. Politics is not working. You know, and I've said that the problem with Nigerian government is not democracy. It's not federalism. Federalism works in America, where we got it from. It works in England, though they practice uh, monarchical democracy. It works in, in in Ghana and all that part of the world where they practice federalism. So the problem of federalism, um, I mean, uh, federalism is not the problem of Nigeria, but the problem of falsehood. There is no truth in the land. You know, recently I was going through again the book of Joel, the book of Malachi, 
Awucha that book again. And I think Mika. And I began to observe that God's controversy with this nation then is the controversy of the truth. In a state where there is no value for life, where there is no trust, where there is no honesty, where there is no um, transparent business dealings, there will be chaos, there will be trouble, there will be riots, there will be death, there will be all kind of atrocity you could imagine. Why? Because truth has not prevailed. But then the scripture says when truth penetrates, then you will see God kind of men come up. Hallelujah. So then, we could begin to understand why we have more denominations in this nation how we have less Christians. Why? More church. You know, I was born in the late 80s. 1987, there was Pacific. So, in, in the 90s, I was a young Christian too. And if really, I don't really know much of God, but I've been following my parents. But I will tell you that then we have fewer churches, fewer larger or mega auditoriums, but we have people who work in the consciousness of God's presence. But now we have many more auditoriums, many mega churches, but less people panting after God. What is the problem? There's no truth. Apostles, look, I, I, I was appointed as an apostle. That is a person that goes here and there, that goes about to preach the truth of the gospel. And say, this is the proof that the truth has been taught. Men like God have been raised. Hallelujah. Now, check it. I am che- I'm, I'm, I'm intending to show you the end result of the grace of God. So that you don't just think that your grace got you the job. Your grace made you deliver safely. Okay? Your grace or the grace you received made your boss to, to honor you. Or your grace uh, made you to, to win something you never deserved. Whether well, that is grace on, on, on the, on the prelim- preliminary note. But we have got to see God's intention in the administration of the grace. Today I want to look at the character of the grace, not even the products. I just want to inch on this uh, on this platform before I, I, I fought further. Why is the grace given? Apostle Paul said, look, I am called according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which is after godliness in verse 2. Then it says, in all perfect and alive, glory be to God in the highest. Ooh, glory to God. So grace is the requirement and an evidence that we are going to reign with God. You know, yesterday I was doing a recording and I said, look, the basis of your dealing with God is faith. Without faith, you can't relate with Him. Bless God forevermore. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So why is godliness necessary? Why is the grace of God taught? The grace of God is taught. Godliness is taught because of the hope of eternal life. So God inten- God's intention in administering the grace and bringing us under the influence of the grace is to give us a life that cannot expire. Now, let me take you to the scriptures in First John chapter 14. John chapter 14 rather. I want to further trap what the term eternal life means. I will read John chapter 17. Hallelujah. Bless God for heaven. Oh glory be to God. John chapter 17. I'm going to read from verse 1. Hallelujah. Bless God for heaven. Verse 1. Actually the verse I'm looking at is verse 3. Now let me read. This is what Jesus spoke. 
and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the highest come glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Now, the word glorify there means um, doxa. Let your son be the center point through which you will express all you are. And that's what godliness also expresses. Godliness means God manifested in the flesh. Zoe, finding expression in humanity. Divinity, not just at home in the art, but expressed in character. So Christ said, look, I want to be a center point of the expression of your excess, just as it has been with me from the beginning of the world. Now, verse 2. And thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life. Now, mark the word eternal life. Never forget that the apostle Paul said, look, he had called me to preach according to the faith of God's elect. Now, I wish I can interpret that word according to the faith of God's elect. In other words, Paul says, look, I am appointed not just to preach myself. You know, I was listening to a pastor, a senior pastor of a mega church, and, you know, one of his messages, so I can't rate him by that message, but that particular message, he was preaching on faith. I think the message was titled, um, The Faith That Commands. And about 30 minutes of this message, this minister kept on talking about what is happening in the church. How God had given them expansion. How they have built a multi-billion organization. You know, as I began to listen to that message, I really, really, really was, 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 um, I don't want to use the word mode. Okay, let me use the word fascinated. I was fascinated. I don't really want to use fascinated. There's a word I want to use, but it's not coming up. But then it occurred to me that the essence of the preaching of the gospel is the revelation of God. It's the disclosure of the Son of God. Well, this is a preacher. All he preaches is what God is doing in the ministry. So that the people can say how God can bless them. But that's the wrong gospel. And I'm not saying this because I want to criticize. You know, I am saying this from the light of God's word. You know, I'm going to do a teaching I titled the norm of God for a believer. And yeah, I'm going to raise some issues. Can I say, look, God. Let the glory in which I, 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 I have walked in be manifested here on the earth. I said, look, because you have given all men into my hands that I should give them eternal life. And check it, John was careful to repeat this again in the first John. This is the promise he had promised us, not Ferrari. One of my favorite scriptures there. This is the promise he had promised us, not good husband. Does that mean we want all of, all of this? Well, we have them. But that's not our criteria. We don't seek God for all of these things. We seek God because of the excellence of this life eternal. Hallelujah. This is eternal life. Now, Christ began to explain what he meant by eternal life. He said, now you have given him power to give eternal life, life without ends. To as many you have given them. Now, verse 3 begin to interpret the term eternal life. So this is eternal life that they might know thee, the only true God. You know, some people believe that eternal life is in heaven. You know, that reminds me of that song we used to sing there when we were uh, in those uh, Octodos church. No, Octodos, those old Pentecostal church. Eternal, eternal life. Eternal, eternal life. I want to be in the eternal life. We are still looking for the time to be. Hallelujah. When the Bible says, I had given up. Now, eternal life. Glory. Woo, glory to God. I have it now. 
And what is that eternal life? It is an appetite, a drive, a passion after God. That is amazing. That is amazing. That is godliness. So you don't say you are a Christian, you don't have appetite for the word of God. Who bond you? Who bond you? You don't say you are a believer, you don't read the word of God, you don't have personal time with God. You are a liar. I'm telling you, you are lying. You are lying. Who bond you? You know, I read a quote by John Wesley Sunday last, and I assure my friend, I said, friend, look at this friend. John Wesley said, and I quote, he said, Leisure and I had parted long time ago. That is mind blowing. And you know, I, I, years ago I studied the marriage of, of John Wesley and that of Martin Luther. And then history made us to realize that those guys had wonderful homes. Hey! But this guy was not a play guy. He said, Look, I have parted with him. So all those. Messages of the method is that guy had to labor the time should have spent partying. He invested it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. This is eternal life. If I have claimed that I've received the life of God, there must be an evidence. That's why I'm teaching on the character of grace. How do I know I've received the grace of God? The grace that brings salvation, I'm going to show that scripture very soon, has appeared to all men. And this grace does something to us. It does not give me the car. It does not give me the job. It does not bring the right person I'm going to marry. It does not make me gain admission. It does not make me to um, um, to get along with my lecturers. It does not make me to be appointed in church. It does not make me to be, um, how, how do I call it? Whatever favor you can think of. There is a character. Now, what is a character? The character is, is another word for trait. Another word for, for, for gene. Trait. So there is a trait of God's grace. You have received God's grace, but you can abuse people. <laughs> okay. No. I'm going to do some things in God's name for a believer. Because I begin to see Apostle Paul's letter. There was a distraction in that letter to Timothy. At first, Timothy, uh, Paul was writing to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I sent to Crete so that you can appoint leaders in Crete. So that you can know um, when to appoint a bishop and he began to show us what a bishop is like. But I thought Paul was trying to show what the life of bishop is. But just of a sudden, it changed from which, who a bishop should be or what the lifestyle of a bishop should be to what the life of a man should be to what the life of a woman should be to what a li the life of a young man should be. That is amazing. It's not about bishop. This God's come for me. Hallelujah. The character of God's grace. If I've received this grace, eh, I must not just have financial process. You know, there are preachers who come to, to harass you, to intimidate you. They tell you about how money is turning in for them. Then be, they began to challenge you. How can you say you are born again? Your finances in mess. <clears throat> As though what Christ died for is your finance. Oh, they were poor Christians in the first in the early church. Ah, a lot of them. Second Corinthians chapter eight, second Corinthians chapter nine. You know, Apostle Paul began to tell the Corinthians Christians about the Macedonian Christians. First Macedonia. <laughs> he said, "Look, those guys were poor. I was there." 
boy they were poor but out of their poverty they are born in good works i'm going to do that in in god's name for a believer that there is an expectation for there's a particular place apostle Paul wrote to, t- to titus say titus you've got to teach your members to respond to urgent needs this is the norm okay let me leave that I was about to handle a matter. It has skipped. I believe the Holy Ghost will bring it back. The norm of God for you and the character of God's nature. Now, check it. Christ said, Look, God had given me all power to give life to all men. And what I want to give them is not just a lifetime, I want to give them eternal life. You know, we have been taught wrongly, even by fathers. And I do not blame them. But be, 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 because before the revival which the Lord allowed them to pound happened, there have been dark age. Men who never walked in the supernatural, men who never understood the move of God. So when they came to teach, they brought the gospel to us in essences. And we have taken the essence part to be the norm. And that's why over time we have so much heightened our expectation. Then at the tail end, we are disappointed. We feel God filled us. Meanwhile, we are the one who didn't see the target of God. What God intends to do with a believer is not to bless you. I'm telling you this. Because if you say that the aim of the gospel is to make me rich, why are we there poor Christians? Paul, he risked his life. Paul traveled everywhere, collecting money, collecting materials to go and give to Christians in Jerusalem. Not in Babylon. Not in Rome. Not in Italy. Not in Crete. In Jerusalem, where the Jews were living, they were so poor. Paul had to go. James chapter 1, I write to this scattered Jew. First Peter chapter 1, I am writing to dispatched believers. These people were broke, they were believers despite. So one pastor tells you that, well, you have to be rich. Well, I'm not saying you don't be rich. Never you forget, I mentioned that the grace gives us uh, phronesis. And phronesis means discretion, initiative. So you can be so zealous, eh? for God and you are still wallowing in poverty. So poverty is not that, uh, uh, breaking poverty is not that I can pray you. If you like, go to Ryuki and let Njemaike be about Ryuki. <laughs> I pity your destiny. Okay, now let's see into the scriptures. The character of God's grace. Now, I'm going back to Titus. Now, you've seen that Christ said, look, this is the promise God has given to us, even eternal life. And what is eternal life? That they may know you, the only true God, and Christ whom we have sent. So, if at all I am growing in grace, if at all I have got the grace of God, there is something my life should um, jihad toward that is towards the grace. And when my life just all this grace, two things become the trait. First, one, there is an insatiable hunger for the presence of God. He that I want to know more of God, and this is eternal life that they may know. Now, the word know is the Greek word epignosis. It talks uh, epignosis simply means a familiar and established knowledge. You know that some people when you ask them, do you understand the scripture? Can you explain the scripture? They say something like, according to my own understanding of the Bible. 
you know, we got talking. Uh, you know, we got talking, and then somebody was quoting from Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse sixteen, supposedly, and then said, "Okay, the scripture says that uh, you should." Actually, when Paul was talking about the issue of divorce, remarriage, and virginity, and all of that, then the guy was trying to counsel. Um, he's not a guy; he's a senior man, or he's my brother in the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> not a guy so he was teaching he was explaining to another fellow believer and he got talking and said look you know the bible says that you can change your you can change your husband ah i say hello sir where did you quote just now meanwhile i, I, will, I will tell you a day or two days before he explained something for me to the script i never saw before i said wow but this time i saw that this is an error i said look you've, you've missed that scriptures then we open to the scriptures then we saw it hmm so if Daddy G will say something that's wrong, we will confront him. <laughs> you know, Peter was Daddy G to Paul. Paul said, Brother Peter, you missed it. Big deal. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So I should pace after God. And when I begin to pace after God, then I began the result is that I will begin to have a detaste. And a detest. Now check those two words. Distaste means lack of taste, lack of appetite, lack of lack of interest. And detest means hatred to anything that is not of God, anything that cannot be traced in God or that's not treated in God. Permit me to use that English. Now let's quickly see. Um, I'm going to run my very soon. I just want to show you the character of God's grace. Hallelujah. Bless God for evermore. So if I have received God's grace, this is what you should do in my life. If he's not doing this thing, I've received fake grace. Fake. Bye bye, big time fake grace. Okay. Now I'm going to read from verse 11. Um, 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 okay. Meanwhile, before verse 11, Apostle Paul I began to show us the character of a believer. And I began to show us what salvation means in behavioral term. Now, this is not just to reduce the Christian life to a thing of morals, but it's to show us the lifestyle of the believer. So that we can begin to know that the goal of God is not how far and how much you pray. You know, you have believers. If they pray for you, you're wrong. If, if they yell into the mic, the mic and the speaker will tear. Meanwhile, the, the thickness of their voice in the mic is as thick as they are on undoubted on, on, on character. I mean, they are, they are, they are, the character, they have no works in. So Apostle Paul began to show us that when a man becomes a believer, there are things he had got to demonstrate. Not because he wants to demonstrate it as necessity demands or because he wants to do that to make uh peace reign in his um environment but that this character or this trait is the trait of god that was how adam eve and even the heavenly bodies had lived before the generation so 
God showing us this is revealing to us the pattern and the behavioral lifestyle in his kingdom. That when we come into the kingdom of God, this should be my lifestyle. I've got to stop certain things. If somebody, you know, I've told you, we are not saved by work. That is the tenet of the gospel. We are saved by God's grace. I did not merit it. It was God who merited it for me. But it's very pertinent I mention, however, that if all the grace gave to me is just freedom from sin, but never gave it deliverance from sin, then it's not a complete package still. Okay, now let me show you that. Verse 11. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God, now check the word grace. The Greek word for grace is the word charis. And it means the influence of God upon the earth that has a reflection in the life of that man. Check that. God's influence upon you that has a reflection. Now, what does that mean? That uh, we are going out on occasion and you have put on your attire. Then I came and asked you to change because I've got a better attire for you. Then I asked you to derobe, you derobed. Then I make up for you, make you look like I have dressed or make you put on the same way I have way I have worn. So now that is my influence on you. But then you can go out there and you speak differently from how I'm speaking or you act differently from my character. Although you have my influence in your outlook, but your character betray my own. But in the case of God's grace, God influenced a man to the end that that man may live like him. So the word grace is charis. It's God's influence upon a man that makes that man to act as God we have. Another meaning is the word um, God's mercy at the expense of Christ. That is God's dealing with me based on what Christ has done. And the popular meaning people are familiar with is unmerited favor and people like that and that has to do with favor you know nigerian guys favor bonus uh, tar- i don't know what you call it. bonus yes all of that we like we like it so we know grace unmerited favor i received the unmerited favor but never you forget that that is just one of the meanings there must be an oh glory be to God. There must be an influence. There must be a, a state. Um, you must come to the to the state in your life where God so much influenced you, and because of his influence over you, you act exactly like him. You know, it's just like somebody, uh, you know, if somebody asks you to come and tutor a person. So you get on teaching that person, you know, after teaching that person, you will eventually that person, if that person is called to come and teach, that person will teach like you. Okay, that's an influence, like a disciple or a trainer. Like a trainer will train his apprentice. After the apprentice has stayed with his master for two, three years of learning, after his graduation, you see that he has the same touches, the same expertise of his master. Why? Because the master has influenced him. So, in salvation, God come to influence. You see, he didn't just make Christ to die for you. I said, okay, you received that Christ died for you and you lived. He wants to influence your life. That's the end result. And that's how God is manifested through you. Now, the grace of God, the carries the free gift, the influence of God, that brings about soteria, that brings about salvation, and appear to all men, regardless of class. 
Teaching us that now we are looking at the character, this is what the grace does. Teaching us that denying ungodliness, now check the word ungodliness, anything that is ungodly, that's not godlike. Anger should not rule you as a believer. You know, we are not saying that because of Mama Binu, Binu, that no, it's not because you know that it is not part of my father. And if God born me really, I'm battered by him, then I should not be ruled by anger. And as I begin to tell people, God is not an angry God. Though. Because if he's an angry God, I have to be an angry person too. He has a justice mechanism. He has a rot mechanism he pulls out. And that's why in the village we saw the, the bowl that is full of the rot of God. That rot is not inside of God. God had a package for it. It's a system of justice. So when God is judging a nation, he's not judging because he's, he, he's angry. He's judging because that is expected of him. He's a judge. For him not to judge, it's going to be unjust of him. So don't seem to be an angry person. And if Moses tells you that God is angry, Moses was wrong. Christ is correct. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Christ said, look, I want to show you the God whom you claim, you know. He said, your God will make the sun to shine both on the evil and the good. As if God can do this, you to go and do likewise. So God is not mad with the wicked. He will even allow the moon to shine on them. The moon that is shining over is not brighter than the one that is shining over the unbelievers. So there's no discrimination. But then he has brought us to himself by his grace. There's, 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 there's uh, an exclusive reserve for the believers in Christ. But then that would not be God to withdraw his general, natural gift from all mankind. Because he's a good God. Meanwhile, he will not spare them either. Because he's a just God. So justice is a system. When somebody commits crime and is taken to the law court, when the judge merited uh, a punishment on him due to what he had done, that judge, you don't say that judge is a wicked judge. It's not a wicked judge. He has done what the law had required him to do. That is justice. Hallelujah. So the grace of God that brings to Teria had appeared to all men, but all men had not received it. Now, one of the great doors teaching all that denying ungodliness. Now, ungodliness means unlawful behavior, unapproved, inappropriate way of living. And we are going to assess this not just from God's standard, even from man's standard. What does your culture say about dressing? If your culture prohibits that you wear trousers and you wear trousers, you are a criminal. This is not God. This is not God. This is not God. Hallelujah. You know, I, I was teaching the law. You know, I'm going to do, still do some 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 uh, some studies on the law of, of, of Moses. Apostle said, look, the law was made for criminals. So when God was detecting the law in Exodus chapter 22 to Moses, he was not detecting it because he wants a, a serene and a chaste community. He was doing that because those guys were already criminals. They were stealing from each other. They were sleeping with each other. They were abusing each other. In fact, at the particular that they even wanted to stone Moses. They had gossiped about Moses. In fact, it was the sister of Moses and his brother that gossiped about him. So God had to bring law into the system to, to, to curtail them. Paul said that the law was given to criminals. So, when you live lawlessly, you, you, you are a criminal. Okay? And that's why we come to Christ. And we will not be governed by law. And Romans chapter 5, I said Romans, Galatians chapter 5 tells us that when we walk in the spirit, we, regardless of what the law says, we cannot break it. Because God is lawful. He said, just God. It shows us the path. The Bible says that you show me the path of life. In the light, there is life. 
So when a man comes to God, he's remolded to be like God. He can't break any law. He can't be a criminal now. And even if, if he does not know that such a law exists, okay? There is an inner navigator, I mean navigator, that makes him realize that there's a law that should check his behavior. So the grace teaches us by the help of the Holy Ghost. It does not just make me to blast to, to blast in tongues, rather. It does not just make me to sing beautiful worship songs in church or serve wonderfully or dress gorgeously in church. You know, I used to have this conny, though that's playfully, but it, it, really I meant it. I would rather go and marry in a saloon where everybody is naked. And we know everybody's a prostitute at the marry in church sometimes. Because what we see there is camouflage. And I'm telling you so sincerely. And you know, this Christian faith cannot be a just thing. How can my Christian faith be my attendance in church or how I'm permitted to say, is he lost in church? And when all I and when all the time I have to go to church is just one day in a week on Sundays and maybe Tuesdays for Bible study and maybe in your church you have prayer meetings on Thursday or so. That's some denominations to just go once in a week or some twice in a week. If church going is what makes the Christian life, God would have told us to go to church from Monday to Saturday, then give us Sunday to do secular things. So the end result of Christian faith is interpersonal relationship. How you know there are some believers, they are so full of envy. Why not me? If the boss calls uh, Mrs. A and does not call them that area, why not me? If somebody, buy, if somebody buys something else, they think, why not me? And they wish that thing spoiled. <laughs> People are very wicked. If God, God has not dealt on you, the grace of God will teach you how to live normally. The grace is the character. Don't tell me I'm, I'm born again. You know, one of my one of our father in the Lord is 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 is, is one of the man I so much um, revered. Pastor Sheikh Noin can say, look, anybody that comes to you and tell you I am pastor, so 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 say run from that person. No. Pastor say, Pastor, you should not pastor is not the title. Just say I am tossing. Then let me know you by your trait. Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2 or 3 was writing to the Galatian Christians. He said, Look, when I got to Jerusalem and the pillar of the apostle, they perceived the grace of God. And it was not Paul that was telling them, Look, I carry grace. They said they perceived it. Then I began to ask myself when I was meditating, how was the grace perceived? By the way Paul preached? No, obviously. By the way he coordinated himself. In fact, he was so much bold to brag to the Corinthians because he said, guys, I am Paul. I never had your food for free. When I came to your place, you, I was only leaving your house. Besides leaving your house, I was not buying my own food. I fetched my own water. I was working as a tent maker. I, you cannot brag over me, Corinthians Christians. In fact, I had to rob other churches to, 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 to serve you. I was the one giving you money. Did you give me any money? That was the man that is living up to standards. I was reading Titus chapter 1. Who's the Titus? Philemon chapter 1. Apostle Paul said, look, I am writing to you, Philemon. Because I have heard about your faith and your love for the sin. And you have so much work Orderly, you have so much coordinated yourself so that the communication of your faith can be effective. That is amazing. So the effectiveness of a believer has much more to do by the way he lives. First Peter chapter 3, Apostle Peter wrote the same thing to the, to the believers. He said, guys, you've got to be careful how you relate with your husband. You have to obey your husband. You have to submit to his authority so that the word of God will not be hindered. 
in Titus Apostle said it this way. He said so that the, the word of God will not be blasphemed. So the end result of faith is character. And this character is the product of grace. So the grace of God did not just come and give you Ferrari. That's some stupid testimonies. And those testimonies are intimidating. And when Christ will give us signs of end time, he mentioned two things. There be careful that man will not deceive you. Deception. And like I've showed you in Titus, Titus said, look, I am appointed as an apostle. In other words, Paul began to give us the criterion to, to judging a successful ministry. Paul did not say, look, I am an, an, I'm an apostle. I have just bought a land in, in Crete or I bought land, I bought some parcel of land in Roman and we are building 3,000 3, uh, uh, 3, capacity. He said, look, I am an apostle. I was ordained as an apostle to minister faith according to the faith of the elect so that there can be truth and when that truth comes into the light there will be godliness so if ministries in nigeria are really successful there should be more men that are god-fearing than any other generation but what we brag now is the cathedrals you are building but men are becoming more sinful what stupid grace are we preaching I want to say about the scriptures. I can take you all through the Bible, all through. I'm a scholar of the scriptures. And when I'm teaching, I'm teaching from 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 my, from from the from the inside the Holy Ghost has given me, and from my consistent study for the past twenty years. The goal of religion is behavior, okay? But then we become something in God. And when I become, I have to behave what I become. You now call yourself a believer. You now dress like Aaron Yamilo Shubo because that grace does not matter. It's not the work that saved me. It's my spirit. You are a stupid person. You never knew the scriptures. I'm telling you, you never knew it though. Look at what Paul said. Ah, you know, there are issues. Just look at this simple analysis Paul reads though. Paul said, I learned that you guys were quarreling about uh, whether you should eat food sacrificed to idols and not to idols. And I said, look, uh, neither is nothing, uh, neither is the food you sacrifice to them is anything. So whether you eat the food to idol, um, you are not holy neither. If you don't eat, you are a bad person. So he said, let, let him who wants to eat, eat. And he who does not want to eat, let him eat. Paul has said that. You know, I've told people, if you don't understand Paul's mechanism of writing, you will make, you will commit error. <laughs> You will read Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul will tell you that this thing is good. In verse 1. You say, ah, that was, if that was where you read, and you never read through what Paul is saying, you will miss it, Victor. Paul said, ah, you can eat anything now. Why can't you eat? You are free. Oh, if they are doing uh, Odrogu, or they are doing uh, Ekugu Festival, or Yam Festival, or the Festival of Osho River, and you went there, they are, they are giving them more money and a car. He said, you can eat too. There's nothing bad. And that's pretty. He said, if you eat, you are not bad. If I said, go to market, go and buy meat. If whether it's a lady or a long book, whatever they serve, you come boy, eat. But he said, look, guy, I have come. I'm quoting for that. Paul said, but me, Paul, I have come to the point in my work with God that if meat will affect others people's faith in Christ, I will never eat. Is that not a challenge? Your, bro, your boss is telling you that you should not do something this way. Or he tells you that ah, you can do it this way, but me, I don't do my own this way. And you want to do that, you know you are a stupid person. If it's your boss, you should know that the, the way she's doing her own is better, or he's doing her own is better than yours. So Paul said, look, 
you can eat meat, but me, I don't eat because I don't want somebody to fall. And if somebody's falling, I don't know. Is that not telling you that you not even eat? But then you have eaten, it's not a bad. Are you are eating? Well, the grace of God brought about deliverance. But it's not just about deliverance, it's teaching you. Now, the word teach there is another word that is related to the word disciple. Because the word disciple means to make students of. And to make students of, you have to teach. So when the Bible says that it's teaching us, it means that it's discipling us. To stay away from certain things. So there's no such thing as the Christian life without self-denial. Hallelujah. Now, let me delve into some Greek lexicon. That is very necessary. Sometimes we have got to help ourselves by Greek lexicon. Um, that gives us insight into what the word of God is saying. Now, why do we need Greek lexicon? Because when the Bible was written, I mean, translated into English in the 15th century, there was no English language. I mean, when the Bible was translated from Greek to Latin, there was no English. So, we have got to see the Greek word. Hallelujah. We are still on Titus chapter 2. You look in verse 11. I want to look at the Greek word for teaching. Now, the Greek word for teaching is the word paiduhu. Paiduhu. And I like that meaning. The meaning is, I mean, it suggests to train a child. Whoo, that doesn't make sense. To tutor. To put in the right way. To cause one to learn. Another meaning says that it means to chastise, to discipline a person. It means to castigate. That's what it means to teach. To nullify a pre-notion. It also means to, be, to mold in character. It also means molding the character of others by reproof and admonition. And so other meanings, there are a lot of meanings, but let's just pick that few one. I just want to pick the word to train. The grace trains me. Like your boss teaches you how to sew butter if you are a cobbler. Or if you are a student of the College of Education, like uh, your lecturer teaches you methodologies in education, how to teach students. Or if you are a medicine student, like you are being taught how to dissect creatures. The grace is to teach you how to relate. I know that the grace did not come without wisdom. Because the Bible said that by the grace of God will receive wisdom. So that functionality of that grace, that, that ministry of the grace, that teaching ministry of the grace will come through wisdom. So when the grace shows you, you need the wisdom to carry it out. And that's what the, Paul, the, the apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter, chapter 1. That the grace also gives us wisdom and prudence. Wisdom, Sophia, the ability to carry out what we have known. And Sophia, to be discreet, to, to have discretion, to know how to go about things. So you don't live Jaga Jaga Christian life and say you're a believer. Which kind of stupid believer are you? So the grace teaches us, trains us, that we should deny. The word for denying, the Greek word for denying is the word aniomihi. And aniomihi means... To act entirely unlike yourself. Oh, that is beautiful. To act unlike myself. Naturally, I get angry. But when the grace began to teach me, I began to act unlike myself. I used to steal mommy's meat. 
and I'm tempted to teach to see what means me. But now when the grace began to teach me, I begin to act unlike myself. That's the Greek word for deny. To lose consciousness of it and focus on what God is making you. To lose sight of your own emotions and focus on what God is making you. The night on godliness. Now let's check the Greek word for godliness. This is what I very necessary. Mm. Hallelujah. Bless God for heaven. Now the Greek word for godliness is the word asibiha. Or still you can call it as ebiha. As ebiha. That's ungodliness. And it means want of reverence towards God. Hatch. That is breaking. No respect. In Romans chapter 1, Apostle Paul calls it lack of acknowledgement and submission to God's will. So arrogant. Always defending and explaining the scriptures to justify his own attitude. Want of reverence towards God. Ungodliness. Actually, that word has a root word. As a base, it needs to be destitute of reverential hour towards God. To be destitute means to be lacking of reverence. The night ungodliness and worldly lust. Now, the word worldly lust or lust there means uh, desire or cravings, longings. And it's the Greek word epitomeha. And epitomeha means to have a crave, an inordinate crave. So, the grace teaches me to deny my inordinate craves. And I should live soberly, live righteously. The word righteously means decayus, to live just, to live agreeable to that which is right, to live appropriately, to coordinate my life properly, to be upright, to abide by codes and norms in my conscience and in the nature. How would you go and pierce your ear as a man? You know, that piercing of ear is not a sin. That just shows that you have been separated from God. Because sin is separation from God, not the earrings. So that you, you, you put your ring is an indication that something is wrong with it. To be very frank. And that's lack of reverence. If your body is the temple of God, why would you pierce your ear? If God can be so careful to put O's, where O's needs to be in your body, as tiny as they are, he had carefully put those holes. Okay. Let, don't let us drag his use. Okay. Now, that is the grace of God. Showing us how we ought to live. And that's a challenge to me and you. And the part that I said is that we cannot do all... This thing is sweet to talk. You can talk it, but you need, you need the Holy Ghost. Without the Holy Ghost, you can't do all of these things. You need constant submission. This can be challenged by ah, the Lord minister to also. You've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul said, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, this lust of the flesh is the work of the unregenerate, the sinners, the unbelievers. And how do we break free from them? We we break free from them when we receive Christ as our Savior. And number two, when we walk in the Spirit. And how do we walk in the Spirit? The Romans chapter 8 says that we set our mind on things above. Attention. 
And how do you set your mind on this above? Does it mean that hey, you have go? If you want to set your mind on this above, we look always be looking to heaven. Oh, you are going to work, just be looking up. So you will not see people who are not dressing well. So you will not see things that will get you not Go. An automobile will sue you. <laughs> we eat you from the back. So to set your mind above is not looking to heaven. Or looking to the heavens. Setting your mind above means to spend quality time meditating the scriptures. The scriptures came from above. So when I fix my mind on it, I am setting my affection above. And let me tell you this, if you have been battling with negative thoughts, immoral thoughts, and you cannot control your thoughts, how do you deal with that? You don't pray it away. Hmm? You stay with the word of God. Work in the spirit. That is an order. Now what does it mean to work? To move along. To be in motion. To go the same direction. To take action. Work in the spirit. Not just pray for the Holy Ghost. He said, no, there are three words that Apostle Paul used there. He said, let us be filled with the Spirit. Let us walk in the Spirit. And let us live in the Spirit. So, be filled with the Spirit. But then you have got to walk. Now, walk means to put into practice that what the Holy Ghost is, 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 is showing you. And that means practically to yield to what God is showing you. Somebody has just annoyed you and you wanted to talk and say, be calm. Just be calm. That's working. Somebody just abused you and under obligation you are boiling, you wanted to reply and you had an impression on to talk and you kept quiet. That is working. That is you are bringing into practice. So what Paul said that working the spirit is he meant to say that you have got to bring into practice the spirit. Then he said that look, it's not just working, you have got to live in the spirit. And to live means to abide, to stay. And there's no such thing as staying in the spirit without the Holy Ghost. So when you claim you are saved, your life must be orderly. Now let me show you some few things as a round-off. In clear terms, what does the grace show us? I will read from that same chapter to now from verse 6. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Now check the word sober-minded. Now this is, these are instructions for you. When the grace comes into my life, I am sober-minded. In all things, show yourself a pattern of good works. That is, you are an example, an epitome, a reference point. An enviable description of good works. And what are good works? Good works as it implies anything that is good. Integrity. Patience. Love. In doctrine, in teaching, showing uncorruptness, that is, be plain, do not teach heresy, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, you've got to learn how to talk. This is your character. You, there's nobody you cannot insult. There's nobody you respect. Just see them and look at them and, you know, You see somebody who is struggling to climb 
a bridge because he's old and he has a load you can't wait to help the person you just don't pass him you almost put the person off the plank or whatever you are crossing over that is wickedness lack of value for man lack of pity this morning we are praying we pray we pray on three things first we pray that god will break the siege of sin in the world so we pray that god will inject our heart with passion that we are concerned for others we have concern for others that what burdens them to burden us what matters to them to matter to us paul said weep for do weep with those who weep and and rejoice with those who rejoice that's the life of the believer so why do you want to kill yourself for god's sake so paul said look you've got to to be sound in speech, you know how to talk. Let your word be seasoned with grace. You don't you know there are some people that are just I don't know how to say it. They are just they don't know how to reply words. Eh? Somebody asks you this and you say something else. That is unwise now. Stop that. That's unwise. Hallelujah. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary may not may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So, the life of God's grace is matchless. You can't receive salvation and you won't be different in dressing, in character, in priorities, in focus from the unbeliever out there. What makes a believer is not your pencil trousers. It's not your weave-on or your attachment or whatever you call it. It's not your perfume. It's not the unit in which you served. Okay? It's not your jewelry. You know, some people have the opinion that, ah, our God is a glorious God. We should dress to reflect His glory. You dress to reflect His glory. But you are very rude. <laughs> that reminds me. Something somebody should do sometimes. <laughs> she sometimes ago, you know? The pastor created a group, a WhatsApp group, and then they were there. It was the head or child <laughs> of the church, okay? So, and on the group, the pastor posted something. So the guy then made reference to that and said something like, Who is this or there? He called the pastor all day. Okay? And so say, hey, the pastor was the one who posted, say, hey, I'm sorry. But he has called the pastor all day. Now, if he can call, and you know, that's what people do. They can hear their pastor. If they are before him. But other people in the community, they can, they, 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 they can ridicule them. Because he does not know that that was the pastor, he called that person all day. Even if the person is not the pastor, should you call somebody all day? <laughs> so, <laughs> so with this one day, okay. That's how some people are. Oh Lord, I receive grace. That's what we are going to pray for. Lord, receive grace and discipline. Can we pray? Naya Oh, Rebalani Cabra de Zatakinamo, Songi Higarama Sataya. The grace teaches, we submit to that teaching, to that training, Nalima Capro Sotandi, Cabre de Sendalaba. 
the help of the Holy Ghost is an uproot of anything in me that is not of God. Lambo Kende, Sanda Kindo, Kambandinda Basa, that I would demonstrate the life of grace. In Jesus' name, I'm afraid. You know, a picture came to me, and that is um, from Genesis chapter 18. You know, I think I didn't take you through a lot of scriptures. Um, I had to narrate a lot of scriptures. I'm very sorry, except that I stood on um, first Titus, um, Titus chapter two, rather, verse eleven. You know, we're looking at the grace of God, and we're seeing the grace as an influence. And the Lord began to show me what transpired between um, Lot, Abraham, and the angel. Before Genesis chapter 18, where I want to really make reference, you know, there was a kind of quarrel that happened between the artsmen of Abraham and that of Lot, and that made the two of them to part. And Abraham gave Lot the option to choose from the two various sites before them. And this is your uncle, for God's sake, who had picked you when your daddy died, gave you an opportunity to pick. Shouldn't you have known that that is a test for you? But, but Lot was not wise enough. He went ahead to pick the best place. The Bible said that Lot lifted up his eyes to the plain of Sodom and Gomorrah and he saw that the land was so good and he picked that place. And Abraham never argued. But normally, Lot should have, although it was Abraham who asked him to pick, but he should have said, I don't know lack of reverence and that caused him all his life acquisition even his wife there's so much god property that when they were packing out of that place the wife said ah the wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt why because they have acquired property but they lost it overnight because of lack of reverence but begin to see later on how that what was common in the life of Abraham became a trait in the life of Lot. And I'm referencing Genesis chapter 18. Two angels, three actually, two angels and the Lord came to uh, Mori during the summer. Abraham was sitting under a tree and he saw them afar off. And the Bible told us that this man ran afar off to meet those guys and he bent before them. No, for God's sake, why would you run after strangers? No, there are a lot of lessons there. Well, we can see that Abraham was so sensitive to the sun God in human form. Beautiful. But we saw that reverence. He went and lowered himself. And he didn't just give them water. He gave them butter to wash their feet. He didn't just do that. He had to slaughter um, ram for them. You know? That is care. And if it was that it was Abraham that did this all along, would I say maybe it was because Abraham knew that they were angels and was trying to win their favor? When they got to Sodom and Gomorrah, the same thing Lot did. When Lot saw them afar of Abraham, that was influence. That was the grace of Abraham over Lot. So, what are you following? Now, if you don't have a mentor who is teaching you rightly, why don't you follow the grace of God? He's a teacher. Because the Father is submitting to your grace. I submit to your grace. Help me to live a life that brings reverence to you. Help me to reverence others, 
in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can you pray? Oh, Submit to the influence of the grace. Rulu Masantaki, Rihando Gosunda Kali, Rada Baba Basanda, so that the grace can bring you all that it came to represent. It can bring you all the joy, all the pleasure, all the delight, all the sweetness, all the charm, all the loveliness, all the graces. It affords mankind. Namihando Kozabrahe. Oh, Kalabra Zataya, that you exact your only influence upon my soul. Oh, Randa Bakasunda, that, you have, uh, that, that, that as you have turned me to Christ, that you will keep me strengthening. I will keep increasing in my faith, in my knowledge, in my affection. Oh, the Bazendehe, Rugulubu Zende, Krehad Nazakado, Oh, Gorabasada, we govern by the influence of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for this time. We are glad to come into your presence. And we are very grateful for the insight into your word. That this thing we came into is calling us to the place of accountability. A place of responsibility, a place where we lose sight of ourselves. We, we live unlike ourselves. We begin to live a God-centered life. Father, we receive grace for this. In Jesus' mighty name, afraid. Amen. Sada bo shigiri haba sada.